Yes, hello, yes, yes, yes. It's Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is episode 143, starring me, Stephen Hill, and featuring him, <laughs> Renfrey Deadman, as ever. How you doing, Renfrey? You all right? Oh, I was okay, and then uh, I feel like my role was reduced dramatically with your intro then. But no, I'm hey. fine. I'm fine. It's a it's a bit of banter, Renfrey. It's a bit of banter. It's just, it's just a bit of banter. <laughs> like I've been on your been on your Wikipedia page this week. Do I have a Apparently. Wikipedia page? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? I don't think I've got no, one. <laughs> no, no, I was about to say, well, your Wikipedia page is that you feature uh, on the right podcast, but you haven't got. You're right. You're right. I, I don't think that. I've got one. Of course, you haven't got a Wikipedia page. Neither have I. <laughs> But no, neither of us, neither of us are really warranting a Wikipedia page. I don't think. Uh, no, <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way that I could, um, I could uh, justify that. But no, probably not. Hey, if anyone wants to make us a Wikipedia page, you know, you're more than welcome. This could be like the Batman yeah. thing again. Just it could, just yeah. fill it with useless uh, non-facts. Like, I don't know. Renfrey Deadman is Robert Mugabe's grandmother's <laughs> third favourite biology teacher. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be up for that. That sounds good. Wow. wow. Um, I've been using Wikipedia quite a lot this week, actually, Renfrey, to research various things. And mm. I'll tell you what, it gets a lot of stuff wrong, doesn't it? It does. Quite, quite a lot of stuff wrong. It does. I, I might be doing something huge for Metal Hammer and I might have had... A lot of the stuff that I've been doing for Metal Hammer sent back to me. And going, <laughs> this is a really big cover feature. Can you please fact check beyond Wikipedia? <laughs> yes, yes, it does get a lot of stuff wrong, and you should always check the sources. Uh, I would say yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, the start of your research. Like starting your research at Wikipedia is fine, but like, yeah, you need to confirm everything. There you go. Sorry, mate. Anyway, see you next week, everyone. <laughs> oh, now, on the show this week, we're going to be reviewing new music from Weezer, Teenage Fan Club, Voronoi, and Cruelty. And um, before we go any further, I, mean, I was about to say, and we're going to be talking about some mad shit, which we are. We are going to be talking about some mad shit. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast we put up this week just gone um two classic albums on soundgarden on super unknown and on down on the upside a lot of good uptake for those specials yeah Thanks very much man, for everyone who got in contact with us i enjoyed doing those so much i know you enjoyed yeah. doing down on the upside but like oh man it was uh it was so much fun to do it and thank you to everyone who's been really uh enthusiastic and positive about those little bit of pushback about Down on the Upside as a I, classic. Yeah, only a just tiny a little bit. bit. Just a little bit. But to those people, I say this to you, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I I just say, just listen to the episode. And like I, I think we put it all across there quite clearly why why we feel it is a classic. Um, we, we go through it song by song and just go, you know what? There aren't as many uh, filler moments on this record as people would lead you to believe. Yeah, the whole thing of, oh, it's too bloated, it's too long, it's shorter than Super Unknown. It is shorter than Super Unknown, yeah. I mean, if that's bloated, then there's an argument. Anyway, go over £5 a month, you get two classic albums. In a week's time, the Mars Volta's Deloused in the Comitorium will be our next classic album. And then after that, uh, well, I do know what I'm doing after that, but we'll save that. We'll save that. Mm. Um, there will be a writer's review coming on churches this week. We've been, I mean, like I say, I've been, I've been so fucking busy this week, Renfrey, with this thing that I've been doing. Yes. Um, that you know what I've been doing. I can't reveal it. It's exclusive. So, well, sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, 
but it's really taken up so much of my life that we've not had a chance <laughs> to do churches. So we'll do some kind of double writers review for you. Next yeah, week. yeah, yeah. We'll we'll probably just throw a couple out for you next week. I, I I've also been um, moving between two properties. Yeah. I I feel very nomadic at the moment because I keep sleeping in two different beds all the time and moving all my stuff over, and it's a bit weird. So yeah. You saying nomadic reminds me, since we do talk about the films and that, mm. I watched Nomadland the yeah. other day. go on. Have you seen it? I've not yet. I plan to see it this weekend. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, lovely. Okay. Um, it is absolutely, totally life-affirmingly wonderful. I, I cannot recommend... I think everybody should go... And you said about Promising Young Woman, mm. everybody should be made to watch this film. Mm. I wouldn't go as far as say everyone should be made to watch Nomadland, but I think if you're suffering from some kind of societal stress, go and watch Nomadland mm. and it will just make you remember uh, the... the I get kind of what's important and what's important about life. the planet. It's really, really, really beautifully shot. The performances are great, and it's very, very simple a film, but it's it's lovely. It's Francis I cried. McDormand. I cried. Oh, nice! It's Francis McDormand, isn't it? <laughs> you know, no, it is. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, he cried. I love it when that kind of cries. Well, I love it when you have a good cry in a film. When one has a good, not you specifically, yeah. when one has a good cry in a film, it's like you know when it affects you that much. That's a really uh, important thing. Um, I saw the sound of music. Sound of music. Sound of metal. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> bit yeah, late. What was that like? A bit late seeing yeah. the sound of music. Um, yeah, it's very good. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I kind of admired it more than I liked it. Um, the okay. sound design is 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 fucking great, uh, and I'm very glad I set up my own be surround sound and all that kind of stuff because uh, it was super cool. Uh, but yeah, it was very very good, and I definitely recommend people seeing it. And it's nice to see a quote unquote mainstream. Uh, I don't know if you could really describe it as a Hollywood film, but a, a mainstream film which kind of gets the lifestyle, the touring lifestyle right. right um, okay. Like it feels, it feels really authentic, and that is so rare in films. Even in like the old Cameron Crowe films, the almost famouses and all that kind mm. of stuff, I kind of watch it. I go, well, this isn't, this isn't what it's like. I don't. Uh, have you ever seen Roadies, the Cameron Crowe sitcom Roadies? No, no. That's oh, awful. Yeah. I do like. I don't want to diss Cameron Crowe too much because he did do no. PJ Twenty, because which is the best. He's done other just, things. He's done his other things, but but I do think stuff like Almost Famous and Singles and stuff are very overrated, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not great. Jerry Maguire's good though, right? I don't think I've seen Jerry Maguire. You know, Jerry Cantrell's in it. Is he? Anyway, yeah, he is very very. He plays a, a guy in a in, a co- in the the copy um the copying. Machine. What they call we photocopy copy house machine copy machine yeah photocopying <laughs> shops. Oh right, it's just Copying. like a cameo, it? is it? It's just a cameo. That's it's cool. Cameo. I just didn't know that. Oh, I'm going to watch it now. I should have <laughs> yeah. called. Should have called it Jerry Cantrell cameo, and then I would have watched but, it. I, yeah, yeah. Show me the Jerry Cantrell cameo. <laughs> That's from the film. Anyway, look. Yeah, so we're going to do some writers' review soon. Broken Records is is happening. By the way, if you haven't checked out Broken Records, I'm I'm particularly going to plug this week, right? Because although I think you know our our magnum opus will probably always be Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, our search for the worst album ever made uh, is available every Monday. One of the albums goes out. Used to be on the show. If for the people who are long time listeners, you probably remember it. This week we're doing Naomi Campbell's album, mm-hmm. right? 
you, you, I, we haven't even recorded this yet, and I'm telling you now, you have to listen. You have to listen to this episode because, good fucking god! Oh my god! I can't, I can't believe it! I can't believe this was a thing. I, I, I have a vague. Anyway, I'm going to say, but broken records on Monday. Naomi Campbell is going to be fucking box office. Great, I promise you, it's going to be box office. And talking of bizarre '90s retro things <laughs> apparently now Renfrey you wanted to talk about this yeah. we're meant to be an alternative music podcast not really sure where this fits in but apparently the Spice Girls are gonna reunite to make a sequel to Spice World mm. um a few things number one why do you want to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> well I kind of felt like I, I, it feels appropriate that you've literally just mentioned Sergeant Pepper because I think Sergeant Pepper that the film Sergeant Pepper's Lonely House Club and, mm-hmm. and the Spice World Great movie <laughs> it, it hadn't really occurred to me but I think they're very similar in lots of ways in, yeah, in, kind of in how much of an absolute cluster I, I, they I, are. I think um, Sergeant Pepper's might have aged better than Spice World there is a scene where a drill sergeant michael barrymore makes them work out while they're singing a gary glitter song so i don't know if they're gonna get like rolf harris to do shinobi versus dragon ninja in the new spice world film you see but this is why i wanted to talk about it because i knew you would come up with some absolute zingers it's as simple as that i was like well, steve's, steve's gonna have an absolute riot with this so let's talk about it it'll be funny they were massive when the first Spice World came out. I don't know, mm-hmm. like their their stadium tour was massive, but it does feel <laughs> weird to me that I don't know that people will care. Well, do people want? I mean, the Spice Girls film back in the day, yeah, yes. But yeah. now, what yeah. a bizarre thing to do! No, what it's bizarre, it's like Slade going. We're going to make another. <laughs> We're going to make another film. Slade are going to make a new. They're back at the cinema. It's like why. Yeah, it, it it does it does seem weird. I'm, we should probably say that this story came from the Sun, so uh, I can't really, you know, whether it's actually true or not. I don't know. And it said a film industry source has told the Sun when the source isn't sure. named. Yeah, mm, not great. Yeah, he's made up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I just thought it. I mean, it's it's supposed to be as a part of the 25th anniversary celebrations, which is next year, because of course, 25 years since Wannabe. Can you imagine? Yeah, crazy stuff. I know it's. Oh, doesn't feel like 25 years. No, it makes me. I kind of miss the days. I mean, I do. I'm like Slade on Fire and Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Got Band and Spice World the movie, and you know there are others. Uh, you, I, I find it quite hard to imagine them making a film. Do you remember the, the, the Vanilla Ice film? No. Um, Vanilla Ice was was in a, a film. What was it called? Hard to Swallow? I shouldn't be I surprised. But I mean, I remember seeing the poster for it when I went to the cinema, just seeing a, a thing and being like, oh, it'd Vanilla be, Ice has got... Is it, was it called Hard to Swallow? I can't remember. It'd be weird um, to see, like, Full of Hell just farting about and getting up to hijinks and stuff like that in like a two-hour well, feature is, film. Is, I, I can't imagine full of hell would get asked. But even when you think of the big, the big, 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 big um, artists of, ne- of of today, you can't really, you can't really imagine them. A Billy um, Billy Eilish or something. Yeah, you can't imagine Billy. You know the Billy Eilish movie. You can't imagine like the, I don't know the the Post Malone movie. Can you? No, no. Be. But then I guess you know Beyonce and Lemonade. Which is great, you know. Yeah, I know. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's not got a lot of kitsch value anymore. I think these think that's the thing about pop music now is it does take itself rather seriously, mm. for good and bad. I think it's good that 
people talk about pop music and treat pop music with a kind of reverence which maybe it didn't used to have it just in in the eyes of of the world yeah but in the kind of from every quarter but I do think that a bit of silly pop music with I think the world kind of lacks that a little bit at the moment. I think yeah. we spoke about this the other week. Yeah, it's called Cool as Ice, by the way. Cool he as Ice. John Johnny Van Owen. Um, <laughs> he was nominated for the uh, the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Actor. He was also in. Um, he also played himself in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two. I knew that. The Secret, the of, Secret the of the Ooze. Yeah, what yeah. a film. Go Ninja. Go Ninja. Go. Go, go Ninja. Go Ninja. Go. Ninja, go. go. Yeah, anyway, I don't know how we've ended up talking about vanilla rice, but basically, <laughs> yes, people used to do their own films. I think uh, yeah, that part of me is like, yeah, bring it back for the Spice Girls, bring the the, the bring the awful cash in pop star movie back. I mean, this again, it feels so right to be talking about this when I know we're going to be talking about Naomi Campbell in a minute. It just reinforces my view that the 1990s were the, the genuinely the the peak for humanity we peaked <laughs> we peaked it wasn't yeah everyone was like oh why two gay why two k bugs gonna wipe us out no it's just gonna represent the steep down downward decline of everything good about humanity <laughs> it's only gonna get worse from now on there you go it's like candy ass by orgy came out and it's been shit ever since. It's been getting <laughs> rapidly shitter ever since. That was the point, was it? It was all Orgy's fault. Um, uh, well, yeah. not Orgy's fault. It's not Orgy's fault that they happened to bring an album out during the the actual, literal, creative, cultural peak of this planet. Mm. That's not mm. their fault. Mm. No, true. They true. just covered Blue Order, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> and did the song Stitches. Do you remember that song? I can't track it, two dude. on Candy Ass Renfri. Oh. Call yourself a me- call yourself a metal fan, and you can't remember. <laughs> no, album you're right. Tracks from Candy Ass by you're Orgy. Right. Uh, you need your love to be stitch up my loneliness. <laughs> you're the death of me. Yeah, you've 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 completely um, you've outed me as uh, as the non-metal fan that I really am. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about, wouldn't it? You know, Spice and it, Girls, and it, and it was, and it was, and it's and <laughs> it it's nineties, which is very us. And you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Will it happen? Yeah, will it not? Who cares? Hope, hopefully it will. <laughs> hopefully it will. Hey, can you imagine that? Can you imagine a week where that's not the weirdest piece of news that we're talking about? <laughs> uh, here's a an interesting headline and picture as well if you want to go and find the picture from uh, the New York Post man allegedly swings colostomy bag at cops at Kid Rock's bar in Nashville a drunk man at Kid Rock's bar in Tennessee literally lost his shit on a pair of police officers swinging his colostomy bag at them and whacking them with his feces. This gentleman's name is Nicholas Adam Newitt. He's 39 years old. <laughs> Apparently, he was blocking an emergency exit door in the indoor arena of Kid Rock's big-ass honky-tonk rock, <laughs> rock and roll steakhouse. <laughs> I kind of feel like we should. It's one of those things where, like, probably shouldn't laugh, but at the same time, it's very, very difficult not to. Isn't it? I mean, I mean, that is that is that is the best. That's better than any kind of TripAdvisor review that <laughs> anyone could leave for Kid Rock's Kid Rock's bar. This is where the uh, famous shit flinging incident of 2021 happened. Um, I mean, it's about time, isn't it, really, that someone chucked, after the amount of shit Kid Rock's chucked at the world, 
It's about time that someone chucked some back at him, I think, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, monkeys fling their shit around in, uh, in, in, in you know, zoos and stuff and in, in the wild. And um, yeah, this, this, uh, this gentleman has done exactly the same this thing. This gentleman. I mean, look at him. He's got the Confederate flag tattooed on the back of his head, this guy. Yeah. Right? To yeah. Get, I mean, you could basically, I think you could pick. 30 monkeys at completely at random and all of them would have a better grasp on the English language than this guy. More teeth, um, more ability to string a sentence together and would probably behave better in Kid Rock's bar as well, I would imagine. He is... He's a... He's a juggalo, right? This guy's a juggalo, surely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, all of the... um, Like, so many people on Twitter picked this up and uh, there's been loads and loads of uh, puns and so on and so forth and people saying... it. I mean, the Twitter feed is just hilarious. I had an absolute blast just whirling through it for a couple of hours a few days ago. Just... (laughs) The account... The the account of the the, the Nashville... um, scanner which is a sort of police tracker twitter account tweeted mel took off his colostomy bag and started swinging it at others some units have feces on them (laughs) oh oh, at a steakhouse i mean i would imagine the the quality of of meat that they have at kid rock steakhouse a little bit of shit on the steak probably wouldn't have made that much difference to the overall quality of the food i wouldn't have thought but um yes it feels like a metaphor for like Kid a, Rock's career. It feels like a, yeah, a good, I was going to say, yeah, a good kind of an allegorical <laughs> reminder of how we all should feel about Kid, Kid Rock. Rock. Yeah, and, I totally agree. Um, so yeah, there you go. Although saying that, Devil Without a Cause is quite a good album. Um, last time I listened to it, which would have been 2002. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, fair play to that guy. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what? Who? Who'd you back in that in that argument? I, I don't really know. Sometimes, sometimes there's no one to back, and I think this is one of those stories. Some people just want to see the world burn, and yeah. uh, Nicholas Adam Newer, I would suspect, is one of those people. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. <sighs> that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, a bit of fun, a little bit of levity uh, to uh, or brevity, I so, should say. Sorry, to... I've just <laughs> really so I've just seen the New York Post have started this their story with they were stuck in the line of duty. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. It's yeah, great. I mean, yeah. Look, if the New York Post isn't even going to take <laughs> yeah. it seriously, then why the fuck should, <laughs> should we? <wait>. Basically. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's actually do let's talk about i was gonna say let's talk about something serious but we're not doing that <laughs> no. are we we're gonna talk about weezer um weezer van weezer let's do this they have been threatening this for quite some time now, haven't they weezer van weezer Very long the time. second weezer album of the year the mm. 15th album of their now varied bizarre meme of a career <laughs> this album was meant to come out fucking ages ago and obviously we have had okay human this year which i was is it was a surprisingly good record it's a good you record know, a very different record yeah i actually saw the stream that they did where they played it in full plus a couple of um mm. uh big songs at the end I, I i really i do really like that record it's not perfect but it is it is a very good weezer record and as you say this this record was actually originally due to be released before okay computer uh, okay computer i did that last time didn't it before okay human came out mm-hmm 
Um, it was originally due to be released a year ago. And the album was um, delayed partly due to coronavirus, but also because Rivers' vision for playing these songs live was going to be on the Hella Mega Stadium tour. Um, I believe, I, I mean, yeah. if you listen to like, if you read some of the interviews and stuff, the impression that I get is they got this stadium tour and he went, right, I'm going to write an album which is appropriate to play at stadiums, uh, effectively, um, which is kind of cool, um, I think, in a way. Mm. Um, just an interesting fact before we start. Due to the album's delay, Van Weezer currently holds the record for the longest amount of time between the release of two singles for the same album prior to its release. So uh, that record is 350 days which is 11 months and 15 days. Um, and that time passed between the releases of Hero and I Need Some of That. Uh, Hero coming out May 6th, 2020. And I Need Some of That coming out April 21st, 2021, respectively. So that's interesting-ish. Quite interesting. It's quite a interesting. Weezer thing. It's got a Weezer-y thing, isn't it? It's, it's got a, a Weezer-y Weezer. thing to happen. Mm. Because like I say, Weezer at this point, I kind of... The, the pendulum of how one would feel about Weezer, it swings around all over the place, doesn't it? And the last sort of five years or so, although stuff like the Teal album, which I think is an absolute barrage of poo. Oh. And, You've um, never mentioned that on the show. <laughs> no, I've never mentioned it. I've kept that very quiet. And I think the, you know, the Black album is dreadful as yeah, well. Yeah. And even stuff like half maybe three quarters of pacific j Dream is not great but then we've got the white album and mm -hmm. you know and then okay human comes out yeah oh, that's quite good as well and you, you know, never weezer, know you never know what to expect you just with weezer don't know and i kind of like the fact that weezer seem to be so disinterested in conforming to literally any type of stereotypical idea of them it's quite exciting i mean after little spoiler for what's ahead we're going to talk about teenage fan club after that who are a band of a similar vintage to weezer mm. now when you put teenage fan club's career up against weezer's career mm. there's nothing that makes me want to headbutt teenage fan club in the same way as sometimes i feel like pushing rivers cuomo in a fucking wood chipper when he's being his most obnoxious but they've never done anything which is you could go, well, that's bold and that's interesting. And Weezer have. And I think for that alone, you have to go fair fucking play to yeah. Weezer because yeah, at yeah, least yeah. we have something to talk about. We're about to have very little to talk about. Spoiler alert, the Teenage Fan Club, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we have got quite a lot to talk about here. And the fact they were talking it up to be an old school guitar album, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, stuff like Metal Injection and... Um, Loudwire and stuff have been going, oh, Weezer are making a metal album. Mm. I mean, you hear it, you finally get to hear it, and you do go straight away, you sort of go, well, they haven't actually done that. They haven't actually done that, have they? It, it, it's, I would but say it's a love letter. It. It's a love letter to 80s metal, I would say, which isn't strictly it being a metal record, but um, there are a lot, there's a lot of metal-esque kind of... Um, things uh on this album which are kind of weezified if you will um you know there's portions of this record where it's almost thrash metally you know um but but there's always kind of a sense of uh it's geeks that are playing it do you know what i mean and i yeah, i don't yeah, yeah. i don't like you could see that as a criticism i don't actually see that as a criticism because I do want it to be a Weezer album at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, certainly, I mean, this album is massively inspired by 
80s metal and it wears its inspiration on its sleeve um almost literally in some cases which we will get into in a, in a moment <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah in an interview with consequence of sound rivers cuomo spoke about uh the inspiration for when the inspiration for van weezer struck first he said the inspiration came from our live shows where in the middle of beverly hills unlike on the album everything stops and i just break out with this crazy guitar solo we noticed that recently the crowd just goes crazy when I do that. So it feels like maybe the audience is ready for some shredding again. And which is quite a typical Rivers thing to say because he's very, he's probably like the most calculated musician in the world in terms of like, I interviewed him once and, we, you know, he was talking about like pouring over Spotify stats and all the, um, all the, uh, uh, the the spreadsheets that he has about songwriting and the different folders and all that kind of... He is, I think by his own admission, incredibly calculated and he will go, okay, the world wants this now, so I'm going to try and deliver this and then I'm going to try that. And I think, you know, I think that's why Weezer's career is all over the place. It's an interesting way to approach music. I don't always think it's a good way to approach music, trying to second guess what the audience wants necessarily. Um I, I, you know, but, but that is effectively how he does it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think you could argue that most of the moves Weezer have made since the Green album have been quite calculated moves in that sense. Mm. Um, and he also I'm glad you mentioned, a, um, go on. He also said in an interview with Billboard that Van Weezer was like the blue album, but with more guitar riffs. Now, as a basic descriptor of the album, I don't think that's a million miles off. Obviously, obviously saying the blue album is going to get people overexcited. Uh, and, you know, that's that's why I was glad you said the green album, to be honest. <laughs> and let's start straight away. Obviously, this is not the quality of the blue album. But, uh, you know, I can understand. I, I don't think that descriptor is a million miles away from what this is. It's just not as good as the blue album, but yeah. Well, uh, as I've been sort of stumbling to try and get yeah, out sorry. for the last sort of six, six minutes. No, no, no. You, I, I was interrupting you. Um, the first two songs, Hero and The Good Ones, are really green album-y to me, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. I think they're, they're very much like, oh, you know, when you think of a song like Don't Let Go, mm. the opening song on green the album. green album, that has got, you know, uh, it, it, it's not you know, Say It Ain't So or My Name Is Jonas. It's not that kind of twiddly, a much more kind of emo rocky um, college rock thing. It's It's got a big riff on it and it's got, you know, it's a, it's a guitar, power pop guitar thing. And, mm. and, and, they, and they do that for the first couple of songs. And I was like, oh, well, this isn't really 80s metal. And it's not really until you get to the sort of Van Halen style opening of the end of the game, which I actually thought was quite cool. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, yeah. okay, here we go. And then it drops back into much more classic Weezer territory. And I actually think it's a really lovely little juxtaposition. I mean, much like Same. what we said, I think, with, with OK Human, is that although it is, you know, I, I thought OK Human was, I don't know. I think maybe, I think we said at the time that like not all of the songs on OK Human are great. And because it does sit in that pocket of all of that kind of or orchestral Sergeant Peppery stuff, even Sergeant Pepper, the album itself mm. doesn't sit in that pocket as much as mm. OK Human does. Mm -hmm. So if even, you know, if even the Beatles were aware that this thing they just invented 
they shouldn't rely on it too heavily. I don't think OK Human should have done either. Mm. I think actually Van Weezer is sort of a more successful experiment in doing that because I feel like it does have that 80s metal stuff, but it also is willing to just be Weezer as well. Mm. I don't think, I think OK Human had a lot of Weezerisms in amongst overbearing Sergeant Pepperisms and kind of orchestral stuff. Whereas I think this, the kind of juxtaposition and the balancing act between those two things, it's very is is you know for a band like Weezer, it's quite rare that people say this about them, but it's actually quite tastefully done, for the most part. And I mm. will say, for the, for the most, most part, part. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there are a couple of spectacular missteps on this record. I think, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I see what you mean. You know, I, I think um, I have to say, I'm not, I'm not. I, I absolutely, ad- I love the Green album. Um, and, and I know you're not as keen on it as me, so so that comparison is probably more apt for you. But um, like, I I don't think it starts great with Hero. Um, I don't think Hero is a. Ter- it's a similar stuff. I mean, call it Malad, call them, call it Maladroit if you want. But the, yeah, I mean, the, stylistically. No, no, no. Saying. I understand where you're coming from, uh, and and I I. Yeah, now that you said it, I do agree to an extent. I I, I just think, I mean, I I looked up um uh the the Weezerpedia entry. Yes, there's a Weezerpedia uh, for this album, and um, it was interesting to note that Hero has six songwriters on it, and it does feel a little bit too many cooks to me. It feels it sounds like Weezer Green album, but again, kind of ever so slightly neutered um and you know i don't think heroes a terrible song at all um but it sounds more like a band trying to do an impression of weezer rather than weezer themselves and i can't help but think is that because the five other songwriters who aren't rivers cuomo who've come in on it have kind of watered some of those river rivers elements down and as the album progresses there's a lot more songs which are just solely written by rivers cuomo and you know spoiler alert i think those ones are far 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 more successful um than the ones generally just as a general rule than the ones that have multiple songwriters and we've talked about this before we talked about it with london grammar quite recently Mm -hmm. um when you go for that pop approach and just have yeah fucking six seven eight twelve songwriters on one song it just feels like it waters down the whole um in a weird way and oddly some of the most complex most intricate most interesting material on this record is just written by rivers cuomo alone you know and i think that says quite a lot do you- I, I, I've just looked at who one of the writers... I mean, one of the writers is Dave Bassett, who used to manage Wimbledon and Sheffield United. I, I'm assuming it's the same person. Um, but did you know one of the writers is Daniel Beddingfield? Yes, yes, yeah. Which is... Uh, I've got to get through this. That guy. Yeah. Um, which is... Um, that, that fucking guy. Yeah, which is uh, unexpected, uh, to say the least. Although... although my my friend Claire used to look after Daniel Beddingfield um, when she was a music publicist. And Daniel Beddingfield... Um, wrote a song for her while he was in he was doing a dressing room and he's like i'm gonna write a song for you now and wrote a song right in front of her just there and then like improvised a song because he felt like she would like that and she was like oh thank you daniel that was really it was a really bad song for <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah uh, i mean I, I i suppose it's surprising although at the same time i guess in the circles that rivers is running in maybe it isn't at the moment you know um Mm. there's definitely been a far more concentrate i think since pacific daydream there's been a far 
larger shift towards that kind of pop songwriting kind of um, thing. To give we to give Rivers credit, he does do it very well, and they've always had one at least one toe in pop, anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, Daniel Bedingfield indeed is one of the writers on this record. But yeah, when you see the when you see the credits for it, I realise this is a uh, uh, an audio medium. But when you see the credits for it, that the first half of the record is absolutely stacked with songwriters, um, and then as the album progresses, uh, there are fewer songwriters. And, mm. you know, broadly, the second half of this record, f- for my money, is way more successful than the first half, broadly, I yeah. would say. Billy Joel, uh, on the beginning <clears> of the <throat> end, one of the, one of the co-writers. Well, um, just well shall we get into that now? Then? If you, yeah, yeah, let's do so, that. So um, there's a really interesting uh, four, no, sorry, three song run. Um, it's track four to track six, where the inspiration, uh, I referred to it earlier as the inspiration being shown on their sleeve. Um, I Need Some of That takes a lot of cues from Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah. Beginning of the End takes a lot of, uh, a, a lot of inspiration from Billy Joel's The Longest Time. And mm-hmm. Blue Dream full-on wholesale rips off the riff from crazy train not just the riff the whole fucking thing yeah yeah it's just cra- i mean it's it's i mean i don't mind about that the first skinjit album babylon has got the song uh the fear on it which is just london calling with different lyrics mm, mm, i don't mm. know if you know that song or if you remember that song it's and sometimes it can be quite good yeah and and i think that's an example and the reason i picked that example is because i mean it's not a song that they play live very much anymore or don't they play it live at all anymore but i think that's actually quite a good example of taking a song and just change or you know like uh freak like me by the sugar babes Mm. with our friends electric underneath you know freak like me um that mashup really cool beginning the end is um sorry blue dream uh is is not that blue dream is crazy train but with with Rivers Cuomo kind of going over the top of it. And I think it's rubbish, to be honest. I think it's really, really, really rubbish. I wouldn't go as far as that. What annoys me about it is um, like it's really it's really odd and weird when you hear the crazy train riff come in to this song. It's re- it's like what? Um, it's bizarre. And the you say they've practically ripped off the whole song. Really? It's the intro, uh, it's the, the intro, the riff, and the verse. But then the chorus is all Weezer, pretty much. And the chorus is fucking great. And it just sort of, it occurred to me, I was like, well, why, you've got a brilliant chorus there. It's probably the best bit of the song. Why don't you just write a good verse to go with it? And then I you've don't got- I think a, it's that good a chorus, to be honest. I, I think the chorus is great. Yeah, I, I think okay. it- I, I, I think it drops. I think I think it's crazy terrain. And then Weezer that come in and it drops off a cliff. I was like, oh God. I, maybe that's just because Crazy Train is so fucking recognisable. Yeah. And great. Yeah, yeah. you can't have anything else- around it you know it's just it's not like a snippet of it it's like there it is it's the whole song and oh it's something completely different and well, it's just like it, boo. it felt like the crazy train riff was frankenstein onto the song as well you know mm. i i kind of would have rather that they just 
you know, I know this is supposed to be a love letter to the 80s and I get that and it's meant to be inspired, blah, blah, blah. But there's inspired by and then there is ripping off and they are, you know, they are, <laughs> they're acknowledging it. You know, they're not doing a Led Zeppelin. They're actually acknowledging it. Like when when, when one of the writing credits for beginning of the end is uh, Billy Joel, it's not because Billy Joel actually was there helping them craft the song. No, they're, they're just giving him a nod and going, Billy Joel, you know, we were really, really inspired by this Billy Joel bit. So we're going to give him a credit as well. It's a bit like uh, number one by A. It's got um, In My Life by Billy Joel at the end. Don't know if you remember that. Oh, I don't give me a car from an orphan who used to be real close. Is it on Monkey Kong? Yeah, uh, no, it's on um, How Ace of Buildings. Uh, like, I, I don't know. Fucking how great song. Mm. Okay, yeah, cool. All right, I'll give you it. Yeah, anyway, um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are wholesale ripping off. I mean, the opening to Girls, 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 the motorbike, mm. and mm. Uh, Sheila can do it. That is that. Mm. Is that. Mm. And mm-hmm. if you're familiar with, you know, those things, then obviously you're going to go, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I prefer Sheila can do it because it, turns into a completely different song and yes i don't i don't want to listen to girls 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 yeah anyway because <laughs> yeah. i do want to listen to crazy train um but, but that on sheila can do it that's just more like a nod and a wink whereas you know blue dream ripping off crazy train is like here is the entire riff that the really recognize like it's one of the most recognizable riffs in metal if i fucking put the tail album on again <laughs> yeah 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 and it's 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 just a weird move i don't i don't i'm not like it's not as if rivers like rivers is a genius songwriter or he's certainly capable of genius songwriting just go back to our classic album on pinkerton if you want to hear us rave about what an incredible songwriter rivers is and obviously all riv all, all songwriters take inspiration from other songwriters but that they then kind of make it their own and bar blue dream just sounds like crazy train play through a weezer filter i mean there is that part of it being made their own but it it just sounds like it's played through their guitars and equipment rather than them actually making it a weezer song you know yeah i mean i think you know there's an one more hit is fine there's an actual kind of quite a metal riff on the opening to that song it's quite a metally sounding song i mentioned i think one more hit's fucking great it's yeah, like, it's I, it slightly recalls Hashpipe or American Gigolo, the first song from uh, Maladroit, with its like palm muted heavy vibe before very unexpectedly going full on thrash metal or or, yeah, or a Weezer approximation of thrash metal anyway uh, I, before a really gnarly middle eight section and then there's a fucking key change at the end of it and there's so much going on in that song it's three minutes and five seconds and the fact that Rivers gets all of that into a three minute song and makes it sound um cohesive it at no point does it feel like you can see the joins between even on the key change there's no point where you can it feels like you can see the joins and that is one of the songs which is solely written by him and that is kind of my that's one of my arguments for you should just rely on your own genius more than bringing in other people i think the bar when you think about Weezer still, unfortunately, and when Weezer are good as well. So when Weezer are good, mm. and they have been good quite a lot over the last like seven years or whatever, there's been a lot of times where Weezer, or five years, there's been a lot of times when Weezer have been really good. And if you go into the noughties, there's a lot of times when Weezer are really good. But ultimately, that bar is exceptionally high. It's exceptionally, insanely high when you think about what is going to 
be a, a classic Weezer song. Mm. And I look at this album and I think there's only really, like one more hit to me is a very good Weezer song. Is it a top tier a-list Weezer song? No, no, not no. for me. There's but it is very song, good. It is, but very it's very good. good. Yeah, there's only one song for me on the record which I think gets within touching distance of Weezer at their best, and it's "She Needs Me" because mm. that is pure power pop. That is cheap trick. Like you know, trying to be inspired by Van Halen and Motley Crue and Ozzy and stuff like that. It's all fine, but really. You should be Weezer for me are Beach Boys and ELO mm. and Cheap Trick and stuff like that, and that is what Weezer should be. And I think when you hear that song, "She Needs Me," it is so genius in its simplicity. It is so, it is exactly what Weezer should be. It yeah. is exactly why people love Weezer. Great stompy riff, inescapably brilliant chorus, genuinely instantaneous. I think She Needs Me is comfortably the best song on the album. And it's so good that it makes everything else sort of drop down a little bit. Oh, okay. I, I don't feel like there's as big a gap as you do. I do agree it's one of the best songs on the record, potentially even the best. I think it's between, I, I think interestingly, I mean, you know, I love One More Hit, you love She Needs Me. Those are the two songs which are only which is solely yeah, yeah. Um, written by Rivers Cuomo. And I think that says a lot, you know? Um, and and I, I mean, I actually, the second half of this record, I really like um, a lot. And, and it, is, it, it is the one where there are less cooks than there are on the other, um, the, there are on the first sort of five, six songs. So Precious Metal Girl um, has that kind of sweet... It, it kind of reminds me of Butterfly a little bit in its sonics and stuff like that. But it has that sort time. of, yeah, <laughs> the the last song on Pinkerton. Um, but it has that kind of, you know, and it has that whole sort of like, oh, she's, you know, my girlfriend, she listens to metal and I love that, blah, 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 Weezer, cutesy thing. And But I think it's really, like, I think it's a really good version of that thing that Weezer do. Um, and it feels like this album starts off being Weezer and a whole bunch of collaborator a whole bunch of collaborators and as it goes on it just becomes a Weezer record and when it's just a re Weezer record it's at its strongest yeah you know um I I just <clears throat> all the accru accoutrements and all the stuff that's thrown on top of it and all the kind of oh let's take the riff to this and stuff it's just irritating because it's like you don't need any of that you are at your best when you're just trying to be Weezer. Mm, and, 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 and like, I think the second half of this record generally is really fucking good. And there are really good things on the first half as well. It's just there's things as per for every fucking Weezer record in the last few years, probably bar the White Album. There's always something on it where you go, oh. Why did you do that? That's really annoying. Oh, why have you done that? Why have you, why have you done that? You know, and if it just had a bit more confidence in, like Rivers Cuomo should have confidence in his own fucking songwriting. I he mean, really I he should. Does. I think he does. I think he does. I just think that, I mean, in, in, in all honesty, it's that thing that I said uh, at the beginning is that we almost should have reviewed Teenage Fan Club alongside Van Weezer, I think, to go, <laughs> well, look, if he'd just done that, we would have had 20 years of that and we would have probably gone, this is great, yeah. but we would have got used to it. And Weezer, like I said, they're a meme now. They're a meme. Mm. They're an internet that, that you know, then I don't want to be like, oh, they're not a band because, you know, they've released some absolutely fucking brilliant music. 
but they're keeping themselves relevant in the modern era by doing all of these things and by just doing stuff that you'd go the reason we you know i'm not sure you'd be people would be so enamored by weezer if we weren't always going what are you doing that for or what the fuck why are you doing that true like that kind of what the fuck thing at this point i mean i have it's 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 like a Stuart lee joke like it's fun it was sort of funny to begin with and then it got really annoying and now it's gone on so long that it's almost funny again it is it's funny again now and i i actually quite like this album because i'm just like well yeah i mean you can't expect weezer to release an album of 11 songs and all 11 of them be absolutely brilliant. you can't expect another pinkerton you can't expect them not to do something where you go lads like what on earth are you thinking you can't expect to like look on twitter and and not have people like sneering or laughing or taking the piss or just being like uh at -hmm. weezer Mm -hmm. people who don't give a shit about weezer still have an opinion on weezer they don't have one on teenage fan club well i'm i'm already reviewing the teenage Mm -hmm. fan club album which i shouldn't do i'm just trying to make that point of that kind of juxtaposition of those two artists who are you know quite similar in a lot of ways i mean not in 2021 but they were quite similar yeah uh and you know and this is neither have ever split up and one of them is you know still getting talked about by kind of everyone and the other one uh, we're about to spend three minutes going this is fine (laughs) yes um yes absolutely so that's sort of the case for the defense on weezer and i think when you release an album like van weezer where you look at it and you go most of this is is pretty is pretty good and some of it is really quite good Mm. Uh, that is is, that's kind of the most you can hope for yeah i mean i mean if we like it it seems cruel and unfair to compare this to you know the the early part of their catalog but in terms of the latter part of their catalog um i don't like it as much as the white album which i think is the gold standard for the latter part of the weezer catalog undoubtedly um I, I I feel similar to it as I do with OK Human, um, an album that I generally really like, which does a few things that slightly irk me and slightly annoy me. And Van Riesen is exactly the same. It's an album that generally I really, really like. You know, it's 30 minutes long. I would say 26 minutes of this record, I think, is fucking great, generally. Maybe 25 minutes. Um, yeah. But... You know, there's, there's then that five minutes of it where you just go, why are you doing that? And obviously it's five minutes. It's not very long, but, you know, it is actually, what, a sixth of the record as well, if you think about it from that point of view. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I can't help, as a massive Weezer fan back in the day, um, you know, I mean, for me, their first four albums, I I personally could do a classic album on on the first four albums. That's how much of a Weezer fan I am. Um I kind of just wish they'd just get on with writing songs rather than all the this other stuff around it. And obviously... It's not the world anymore, Renfrew. I That's know. It's not the world we're living in anymore. I know, but I kind of feel like if they did do that, they would be a better band. And it's it's kind of annoying that they don't do that. But I understand what you're saying. I think you're absolutely right. I don't think people would be talking about them in the way that they're talked about if they if they just got on with the business of just writing great songs but i kind of wish they just would 
But I do, but I do, this is really, really good. I mean, some of you might have been expecting us to rubbish this record um, and it's not rubbish at all. Like there's some really good shit on it, really good stuff on it. Um, I just know it could be better, which is really annoying. Yeah, undoubtedly. It's pretty good. It's 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 what I you know I'm I'm happy I'm happy with this. I'm, I'm happy absolutely with it. happy. Well done, Weezer. It's fine. I don't expect anything more than that. Um, so there you go, Van Weezer. It's finally out. Go and enjoy it. It's out now. Um, <laughs> which brings us on to probably our most anticipated review that we've ever done. <laughs> Obviously, none of you have any idea what we're about to say about this album. Endless Arcade by Teenage Fan Club. The 11th full-length album from the Scottish alternative rock legends, the follow-up to 2016's Here record. Um, hey, Teenage Fan Club supported Nirvana, you know? Like you just have to say that. Every time you mention Teenage Fan Club, you have to say that by law. Um, <laughs> like I say, but like I say, they've never actually split up Teenage Fan Club. Um much like Weezer, much like Therapy, who are a band that we mentioned um, previously, uh, there are obviously a, a few other of those bands who have just kind of stayed the course for years and years and years and years. And I always do have a bit of respect for bands and I kind of almost feel a little bit sorry sometimes for bands like that if they are releasing records of a significant quality. Now, I sort of remember Teenage Fan Club back in the day. Being a few years older than you, I imagine... Um, I actually remember that with a bit more kind of uh, uh, sort of clarity than than maybe you do. Remember, I would Im- say? I would imagine so. Yes, yes. Um, I I didn't really check out Teenage Fan Club all that much back in the day. Um, I know bits and pieces here and there. I believe this is the first time I've sat down and listened to an entire record of Teenage Fan Club. I think might have heard grand prix at some point but i can't remember yeah yeah. grand prix and bandwagon-esque were two albums that i mean i never i never actually owned either of those records but there were some cool indie girls at my school who owned them and they liked both of those records so i do remember kind of playing bandwagon-esque and grand prix particularly quite a bit and to, to be honest they never really did all that much for me uh either of those records i think bandwagon-esque i would say is the better of the two from memory um uh but yeah but as i was sort of getting more into heavier stuff teenage fan club were kind of i guess slightly more sort of india brit poppier version of alternative rock yeah i i was definitely more interested in um in the sort of heavier stuff, well, really. We well, should, I'm starting to get more interested in the heavier stuff. We should describe what it is because, um, yes, while well, you're right, legally you do have to say that Teenage Fan Club supported Nirvana once. Um, there is not... I mean, it, it's more of a Meat Puppets kind of vibe than it is a Nirvana vibe, I would say. There is a um, jangly indie pop thing to teenage fan club i would say if we were describing their sound there's a lot of 60s in it like i just think of um stuff like the animals and the birds and stuff like that when i listen to teenage fan club and all that stuff is cool it's not stuff that i'm i i i like that kind of thing it's not something that i'm a massive fan of and i can't imagine that you're a massive fan of that sort of stuff either no they were they were a bit like sort of someone like the Lemonheads. i know someone yeah. uh, said oh you're very harsh on the Lemonheads," and you know it wasn't that i feel like i was sort of being really harsh on the Lemonheads and all the all the lars or something like that but i just didn't have 
a real kind of passionate feeling about them when i was a kid and i was much more interested in offspring or green day or yeah. then like white zombie or whatever they're jangly but on reflection you know they're jangly. yeah on reflection they are jangly and on reflection i mean i went back to bandwagon-esque having listened to this album and it, on reflection it's it, that's a good album mm. like you know it's probably a better album than i thought it was when i was a kid mm. and when i was a kid i thought it was an all right album mm -hmm. so Teenage Fan Club for me were proper like C-list mid-tier alt-rock band. Yeah. In in my opinion. Mm. And I mean, the the there's stuff on here, like you say, I mean the 60s, you know, I've written the birds down as well. Mm. I've written the doors at one point, which I think maybe has given them slightly too much credit. Uh, but you know. Mm, there's quite a bit um, of organ on here though, and I can the see title why track. the doors would come up. Yeah. Just just because of the the, the amount of organ on it. So yeah. I mean, I think they, they take a risk <laughs> by uh, putting a fairly mid-paced seven-minute-long song as the opening song on the record. That mm. is a risky fucking move. And <laughs> yeah. it sort of proves to be proves to be quite a risky thing to do because I'm I think if you when you start like that, you need to recover quite quickly. And the title track follows it, which sounds very much like Neil Young, kind of harvest mm. era Neil Young, I thought. And I really Quite like that. It's Im discordant, but cleanly so, which is um, yeah. a, a little bit odd. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's nice. I don't have much more warm to say about it than that. No, <laughs> warm Embrace is pretty good. I mean, you know, the 60s melodies, it's all over this record. It's, it's sort of mixed with a bit of something like They Might Be Giants. You know, it's got a kind yes. of uh, a bit of a, a quirky feel to it. But the thing is with with all of these bands, and I think it is, I, I think it is kind of legitimately all sort of alt rock and indie bands, is that as your career progresses, you do have a tendency just to lose a little bit of the bleed, a little bit of the grit as you get a bit older, as you get a bit more successful. And Teenage Fan Club were never a band for me that had enough oomph and had enough power um, for them in the first place. So. The perfectly well, natural and totally understandable aging process has diminished something which I didn't even feel like they had enough of in the first place. And that is where this album is just like, it is totally, I don't want to use the word unforgettable because I think there's some really nice melodies in here, but it is that you could never describe this as vital in any way whatsoever. No, I think I think it's an album that kind of you have to go to it rather than it comes to you. It's very pleasant when it's on for the most part. There's a couple of there's a, a few of the synthy keyboard bits that jar with me ever so slightly, but that's more of a taste thing than anything else. Um it is a very nice pleasant album. We should say something we haven't said. Um this is actually the first album that they've done since the departure of founding member Jared Love, which which um, I'm sure, you know, if you're a massive Teenage Fan Club fan, you might be a little bit nervous about that. I don't think, from what I know of their back catalogue, I don't think it's had a massive effect on the quality of what they do. Um, and certainly the other reviews that I've read of it would would indicate that that's the case. I think it's, it's, um, it's just... This is pleasant and this is nice, but it's not something that particularly excites me. And I could understand if you're really into that jangly, um, sunshiny, 60s, happy-go-lucky vibe, hippie kind of vibe with uh, lots of added organ and, um, you know, yeah, the birds and the animals and stuff like that. There's no reason why you wouldn't really, really enjoy this, but... 
I'm when I think of 60s music it's not that stuff that I go to personally um it's just difficult to get yeah it's difficult to get excited about it isn't it and it is um very it is quite one note and one paced I feel like this album um in in that respect it sort of reminded me of you know some of the metal albums that we'll cover where it's just doing the same thing over and over and over for 45 minutes this had mm. exactly the same effect on me except we're just talking about a completely and utterly totally different sonic palette it's funny I I'm glad I'm kind of glad you said that because I mean I think there's a there's a few really good songs on here yeah and um you know everything is falling is, apart the, the, is really everything good. is falling apart is fantastic yeah and i think yeah. that's actually a really good song it's definitely the best song on the record and that will probably get whack that on some sort of summer playlist yes you know? i mean yes. this is not sunshine rock by by bob mold which no. i thought had enough of the kind of life about it still that made me want to listen to it and exactly. you know this is much more like i say i'm more inclined it's a bit like the Lars and I like that. And there's, you know, there's some really great melodies on her. In Our Dreams has a, a, a really good riff as well. Mm -hmm. Like there's not many memorable guitar riffs in this. And I think as two people who enjoy the sound of good guitars, yeah. I, I felt like this was lacking a bit in memorable guitar parts, which I would have liked to hear a little bit more of. Yeah, and I agree. This is this is an enjoyable sort of five or six out of 10 record from a band who've always been, in, to my mind, decent. I, and but what you say about metal, I mean, if we reviewed, I, I think fans of Teenage Fan Club would probably say that as well. If we said this about any metal album, <laughs> we'd get somebody tweeting us going, yeah. stomping their feet. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we're going to get that with this because no. I think even people who like the band, I mean, I think that's a sort of, uh, I think culturally shows a little bit of the difference between uh, the sort of people who, listen to those things because i think metal fans are more than happy just to be kind of have oh it's heavy and it does that thing so great it's a double-edged um, it's a double-edged not sure it's that double-edged sword of the passion of metalheads isn't it you know i i fucking something that drew me to metal in the first place i don't know why we're talking about metal in a teenage fan club review but there you go something that drew me to metal in the first place is the sheer passion that people have for it but it just means that if you do say something like we do quite often is like this is a little bit boring uh people go absolutely flip their lid and uh yeah it's just that double-edged sword isn't it you know but t teenage fan club fans don't strike me as i mean obviously this is a massively broad thing to say and obviously isn't applicable to a lot of people but teenage fan club fans don't strike me as the sort of person who would like lay down and die for their band or anything like that whereas you you know you do get that impression with like a monomath fans or something like that you know they're really yeah. like everything everything in their life is 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 the way they dress the way they look the way they talk is based around metal music and and i just that isn't the case with bands like teenage fan club yeah and i find it very difficult to believe anyone would get too excitable or passionate or claim too much ownership over music like this which is yeah. you know a, a, an absolutely acceptable nice way to spend 40 minutes yeah go out in the garden with your bluetooth speaker stick this on give yourself a nice cold can of whatever your favorite drink is and put it on and sun you know sit in the sun for a little bit and read a book or whatever and have this on in the background yeah, you'd have a lovely and it would time. be quite nice yeah you have a nice time but that is 
That is it. The extent of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. mean, that is, that, that is that is literally it. I, um, I don't really have anything else to say about this record. Neither do I. I kind of want to move on. Um, but anyway, Endless Arcade by Teenage Fan Club is is already out. We should have done Guided by Voices, Renfrey. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we were like, should we do Guided by Voices or Teenage Fan Club? And we decided to do Teenage <laughs> Fan Club um, just without listening to either of them, really. We made a snap decision and I, I would expect the Guided by Voices album probably would have been a little bit better anyway, oh well never mind oh well we'll do it some other time uh, I will listen to that album because um, I've got a bit of don't mind that band mm. you, anyway we're not going to talk about Guided by Voices right now uh, but we will do it at some point I think um, let's move on to the next record now this is very different from mm. everything we've spoken about so far Voronoi the album's called The Last Three Seconds it is the debut Yes, album mm-hmm. from the Leeds-based trio who describe themselves as a sort of mixture of prog metal, jazz, and I'm going to chuck in baroque classical music. Yeah, really. Yeah, I actually am. Um, <laughs> weird, it's weird, this isn't it? Because recently we did a special classic album, uh, a classic album special podcast on Ben Folds Five, and I spoke at length in that. I think we both spoke a fair bit about the role of the piano in rock music and how it's an instrument that is not often utilised in a particularly interesting way. Hey, you know what? Maybe this, that maybe that is part of the reason why I suggested we cover this record. Yes. Yeah, and then this album comes along and does that exact thing. Yeah. Uh, Renfrey, you you suggested this record. Mm. Uh, you got anything to say about it? I'm sure you do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, this is brought to my attention by the wonderful people at Small Pond. Hello, Vlad. Because uh, this is a Small Pond signing. And um, uh, Veroni's PR, a wonderful, wonderful man um, called Jamie Otzer, actually said to me that this is an album that he thought would go straight in the Stephen Hill will hate this pile, which I thought was quite interesting because really? I... I I don't know. We haven't talked about this record at all, but I don't mm-hmm. think he's correct personally. But we will see. We will see. Hold it just for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, jazz proc, electronical instrumental band from Leeds. Press release uh, mentions artists such as Ortecra, Carbom, Tigran, Ham, Hamasan, and JS Bark which helped shape the rigid experimental structure of the last three seconds. I'll confess I don't know Tigran Hamasayan's work, probably obvious from the fact that I completely screwed up pronouncing that name. name, Uh, But I can vouch for the other three all being a part of Veroni's sound, I would say. Um, I know the word jazz tends to put a lot of people off. Um... And I can understand why it's very difficult to get into some of this stuff. And, you know, I don't think Veroni make things easy. I think it is quite a uh, eclectic jazz inspired record. But there is a lot of heaviness to this album as well, without it being a sonically heavy music album, heavy metal album. Um, the main riff to gamma signals, for example, is something that you could easily imagine Meshuggah playing. The only difference here is that the riff, quote-unquote, is played on a piano rather than an eight-string guitar. Um, so there are, there is a... a, a it, it's, it's a very interesting and odd record. Um, I think the reference points for this sort of thing would be stuff like Three Trap Tigers... Teeth of the Sea, a little bit of that Spaven and Sand Dunes mini album that we did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty avant-garde stuff, uh, what this record does. But uh, was our man Jamie Otzer, was he right when he said, I think this would go into the Stephen Hill hate pile? Or was he wrong? <laughs> 
uh, uh, he could not be more wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably the most wrong anyone has ever been about anything that I've ever heard said about me. We love you, Jamie. But yeah, I I did. I did think when I listened to it, I did think, I don't know. I think I think uh, Steve's going to be into this, actually. Uh, What what, what is it that you like about it? Well, this is one of those albums where I genuinely don't think I've ever heard this exact concoction Mm. in this way before in my life. Does that make it a good album? Not necessarily. Mm, mm. It makes it a hell of a fucking trip. I mean, mm. like you said, some of this is very avant-garde. This is a challenge. Before you embark yeah. on this record, make no mistake about it. Some of you, I imagine, are going to hate this. Yeah, but some of me, you will hate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, remember that Aiming for Enrique album that mm-hmm. we spoke about mm-hmm. last year, which mm-hmm. I love. This is sort of that, but like to a horror film. It's a sort of serial killer version uh, of that album. This might be the most musically exciting record that I've heard all year. Oh, wow. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna say this rec- this Renfrey. I think we're talking about potential conversation of best album of 2021 of this for this record. I think this is pretty fucking spectacular wow okay um uh i like it <laughs> i like it a lot i don't, wouldn't go that far but i think it is great what is it about it that is, is it the fact that it is i mean it certainly is a sound that not many people have done like i said three trap tigers teeth of the sea i throw in the physics house band as well mm-hmm. um former small pond um alumni um i think there's quite a lot of physics house band as well but what is it what is it that you love about it so much well i mean you mentioned Meshuggah and i think mm-hmm. like i mean you mentioned gamma signals and that is heavy i mean that's death that's like deathcore heavy mm-hmm. that is sonically really really fucking heavy and but all played on acoustic think, guitars there's very little distortion yeah, on this record uh, uh, very little distortion and the opening song in Estella has this stabby propulsion to it. I think that they go to this album goes to so many places. Mm. And the fact that sometimes you can listen to it and you can go, this is feels like my head is in a vice mm. and I'm mm. being battered. And sometimes it is absolutely like bottom lip quiveringly beautiful. Mm. The fact that they can do both of those things and that, I mean, kind of jazz. Like it's made, this has made me go fuck. I need I need to listen to more jazz because the jazzy parts in this are amazing. There's a song which is quite aptly named on it, which is over ten minutes long, called "The Nauseator," and those mm. jazz rhythms and sudden shifts, and then into those lounge parts and this throbbing bass, and then the last three minutes are like a kind of electro drone version of sun the la- like, yeah the last three minutes of that song are fucking outrageous. Unbelie- and I just mm. listened to it and I was like. I feel like my palms are sweating. I I was like dripping with tension. Mm. The tension that they ramp up on this record. Like there's a song called Dark of the Night. It's like the score to a Lars von Trier Dracula sci-fi B-movie from the 1950s. It's not even like... I can't even compare most of this to a band. The title track sounds like Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Mm. Mm. You know, there's, there's things like when people talk about journeys in music, going on a journey in music... Oh. There's a song, The Outsider and the Priest, it's 12 minutes long. Mm. And it's not a, and it's, it's a journey, but it's not a journey like a musical journey. It's like an actual physical journey. Mm. It's like being five steps behind someone that you're stalking and then walking through a city for 12 minutes it, and then getting on a <laughs> It takes you into... It, 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 it's almost not even like music, this record. It, it's, it's almost so far removed from the idea of like 
how normal music, the sort of normal verse, chorus, verse music that I would listen to is. It's almost so far away from that that it doesn't even feel like it's attempting to be songs. I'm not even sure that they're songs, these it, things. It all, just... so, it all sounds very highfalutin, what you're saying, but yeah, I actually does. totally agree with you. I mean, I think this is a highfalutin record, so, you know, but yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is, I, it's, I get... a, it's, a, it's a real, it's a, but the thing is, it's like, I do make it sound like that, but at the same time, it's also got this amazing rhythmic propulsion that drives the whole thing all the way through, and it can be really kind of weird and avant-garde, and really kind of jarring and it can also be really pretty i mean um home can be light years away which is the last song on the album starts really really very very quietly and slowly but it mm. becomes incredibly loud and that crescendo mm. at the end or that it's not even quite at the end but just towards the end we think it's going to end that crescendo of synth and piano and bass and drums mm. and this wide kind of sprawling cinematic lunacy it sounds like it's like the big bang it, yeah that that crescendo it feels like not just a crescendo to um that song but a crescendo to the entire record which it is because it's the last song which of the record is. but yeah. you know it, it it feels like yeah uh, but it but it very much feels like this is yeah this isn't just the end of this song this is the end of the entire journey that you've been on and it's absolutely fucking brilliant that that i song. think this is yeah. amazing this record i think this album is fucking amazing i th this is really interesting because like you know, and I'm not trying to like blow my own trumpet here or anything like that. But when we started doing this podcast, forgive me for saying so, but I think a record like this might have gone over your head a little bit. And I feel like yeah, me, me introducing st stuff like Teeth of the Sea to you and things like that has kind of made you have more of an appreciation for this sort of thing. Just like you introducing me to, you know, clipping, run the jewels, etc. So it's giving me more of an appreciation of hip hop. And I think that's quite that's that's really really interesting i understand completely and utterly why people would hear this record and go oh this is a rent free record but i actually think in loads of ways this is a stephen hill record and the reason why i think it's a stephen hill record is its oppressiveness and i think the reason why i i think this is really good and i really really like it i don't love it in the way that you do is the oppression um a song like the nauseator uh is aptly named as you say and i'm kind of like there is an almost daughters-esque feeling of like oh this is really starting to yeah. crush me a little bit under the enormous weight and i really admire that and i think that is really like an incredibly brilliant thing to do but i don't always want to listen to it it feels like this is an album that um i think it's fair to say that you'd only be in the mood for this album at certain times when you're in the mood for it it would be absolutely incredible but i don't know you're you're more sadistic than i am so maybe you yeah, will it's a hugely oppressive record mm. i mean i really loved uh, t for the c i'm glad you brought up because when i heard t for the c and i was like oh this is like this cool mix of kind of apex twin and jazz trumpets and then you know kind of weird almost tech not tech metally parts but certainly math rock math math metally parts I was like, this is really, really cool. Teeth of the Sea sound like fucking heart of a coward compared to <laughs> compared to this. I mean, this is this is this feels dark. I mean, there was the the tun tundra tundra uh, the, tundra the, yeah. The, yeah yeah the tundra record that came out last year. And again, I really like, I've been that back to that a few times. And yeah. I again like I haven't seen the film mm. that it was based on, but I felt like it's just like oh god, it's it's sometimes it feels nice to have that kind of quite oppressive very dark 
stalky, evil sounding mm. uh, instrumental music. But again, it sounds like pop music compared with this. Mm. This record is like uh, the, the only thing that I can think that we've reviewed that is more intense than this in a similar way is when we did the More Mother album, Ooh. which is which is which was really intense yes like yeah, that yeah. was the mo- that's the most bizarrely intense over the top avant-garde record that we have done mm. there's been other things that like obviously we've spoken about the drift by scott walker we've spoken about killigula by lingua ignota we've spoken about records like that that's to me that's a different that sits in a different mm. thing mm. but that link like there's and 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 daughter's you know daughter's jgl brilliant links between sort of this and that world i think and but this very much sits in a kind of musical not song based but sound based mm. but sound as a sound as a kind of metaphor for a, a quite a disturbed mind mm. Mm. i i think all of that is true uh i think we've mentioned it briefly but we should say whilst the sound of the record is you know generally very chaotic and very crazy we should mention uh, or or highlight that they are able to show moments of restraint as well Um, Well, that's it it's the the breadth of this record yeah is is fucking amazing i think yes because often it is quiet but it's i i think even when you say moments of restraint it's always very intense it's a tight, yes. it feels like a tight even at its quietest nicest prettiest it feels like a really tightly wound coil i think and i i just re- uh, yeah I, I just really like that yeah i think uh, there, there are times when they slow things down and uh, and it becomes almost ambient but yeah i suppose the almost part does come from that level of tension that still resides there i think the beginning of um robots as pathos slash robots as menace is essentially i mean it's essentially a solo piano piece for its first yeah, minute it and that, that that's that's very kind of crystalline and, mm. and but again it's just, the thing is like how can i explain it again it's, it's you, you kind of almost can't explain it in musical terms so you know when you're have you ever been like going going on the tube to go home on in rush hour mm-hmm. and you want to get somewhere really fast mm-hmm. but you can't because mm-hmm. everybody's moving slowly through the, the, the carriages yes. and you and your brain are running yes. but you can't physically run yes and there's and this album makes me feel like that That's sometimes even it. when it's even when it's slow i feel like it it is it is being slow because it has to be slow or it is being quiet because it ha- feels like it has been quiet but it feels like the 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 want the willing and the need to just to burst is like so prevalent in all of it yeah uh, this album's amazing I'm so glad that you like it as much as you do. I I really, really like it. I think it is a very, very good album. I think, as we said at the beginning, there's a lot, a lot. Some of you listening to this are going to fucking hate it. And that's fine. Like, it's, it's, uh, I mean, this kind of jazzy thing is divisive and it always is and it always has been. But, um, but those who do like it, I think are going to absolutely love it in the way that Steve obviously does. So, um, mm. yeah, uh, I, I'd say approach with caution, but definitely approach. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's made me go fucking hell. I've never really, you know, aside from listening to a bit of John Coltrane and a few Miles Davis albums mm. and, you know, bits of maybe more, what I guess what you call kind of more modern sounding uh, jazz art or, or modern jazz artists. Mm. I've not really ever gone in properly on jazz and I've always found it quite a daunting thing to be like, oh, I just probably won't 
I just probably won't and I just probably won't like it. But I think I'm going to have a... Because I, I listen to this and I go, well, I, I bet there's a thousand jazz artists who do this kind of... Maybe not this exact kind of thing, mm. but certainly who evoke in, and kind of, you know, um, have that sort of feeling. That might, that might be true. I mean, I would definitely steer you, steer you in the direction of the Physics House Band if you haven't gone in properly on them at any point because there's, there's a lot of Physics House Band on, on, on this, I think. But um, yeah. uh, we reviewed, We've reviewed uh, them before. We've we reviewed, reviewed one EP that they did, Death Sequence, which yeah. is fantastic. Um, but I, I mean, interestingly, I was having a little chat with Jamie about it. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he did actually say um, that he's given this to a lot of more contemporary jazz magazines and stuff. And a lot of the jazz heads fucking hate it because they want jazz to be very, it's a bit like metal. They want it to be insert within certain limitations. And, and obviously this mm. goes way outside of that. Um, so yeah. Um, but I, I think one more thing, which I need to mention, which I think is really, really interesting with this, you'll probably not be surprised to learn that this band have played Arc Tangent before. What no. is surprising is um, apparently, and I haven't double checked this, but apparently they have upcoming slots at Reading and Leeds and Download, which is Do they? which is Fuck yeah, them. which is really shocking. And and fair mm. play to both Reading and Leeds and and uh, Download for doing that. I mean, I. I don't want to come across like a snobby twat. I mean, I do want to come across like a snobby twat. I always well, you've got do. no choice. That is how you come across. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd be very curious to see how a lot of the download crowd would uh, react to this. Oh, I'd love to see them at download. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like people might sneer at it and go, oh, I don't get it. I don't understand it. What has this got to do with metal? Well, it's actually got fucking loads to do with metal. As I said, the, 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 the riff to Gamma... Um, uh, the gamma song um, gamma, signals. gamma signals thank you it, it, that could be a mashuga riff and it's just kind of like it's just how you look at this stuff and it's just how you how you interpret it and all they've done like they they clearly have they mentioned dillinger escape plan in the press release you know they do have mm. those um those reference points they're just mixing it mixing it with bark and uh or tecra and stuff like that and that is a really interesting thing to do not everyone is gonna like it and that is like if someone turned to me and said i fucking hate this record i'd be like fair play i understand where you're coming from this is not for everyone um but yeah i think it's really cool that they are getting enough notices and enough um uh praise or whatever enough attention to get on the Reading and Leeds and download bills. I'm sure they'll be really, really low down on one of the low stages on, you know, this isn't going to be main stage. Yeah. yeah, this isn't going to be main stage download. God, that would be funny. Um, but yeah, I think that is, I think that is really cool. So um, fair play. Uh, yeah, me too. That's really good. And I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I would maybe go as far as to say, uh, this is the heaviest album of the week. We're about to review something heavy actually what you think of when you think of heavy music that that the album which i'm about to be very nice about i don't feel that it's as oppressive as this i honestly think this is a heavier record there's un- this is a more affecting record it, it just is the, i think there's undoubtedly an argument for that yeah 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 undoubtedly anyway it's called the last three seconds the band are called voronoi and that is out right now so let's move on to the album that i was just talking about it's called there is no god where i am so without the so it's by the band cruelty 
<laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, this is again. This is a debut album again from New uh, New York Hardcore. That's not right. That's not UK right. Hardcore. UK Hardcore newcomers. They're out on Church Row Records, which is a good sign. That in it. Mm. Um, Renfrey. I think someone suggested this, and this is quite the opposite. Somebody thought this would be exactly the sort of thing that I would want to listen to. Mm. That is slightly more predictable, mm. I would say. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, and it is, yeah. Mm. It's really, really big, thrashing, mental, scabrous, metallic hardcore. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, they've been on tour with Employed to Serve and Renounce, uh, so they are firmly entrenched within the Church Road Records crew. Uh, I would say that this debut album, like as a starting point, as a foundation, reminds me of Employed to Serve's Greer Than You Remember. Uh, mm-hmm. on several occasions um but there is more to this quintet than that um uh, something we bemoan all the time um metal albums staying in the pocket and like not not you know just being one thing for the whole for the whole thing this album is 41 minutes and 53 seconds and for an album which is as chaotic and odd you know greater than you remember is 30 minutes and and yep. and there's a reason why it's 30 minutes because it, it bashes you around so much and blah 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 if cruelty just played the game of being chaotic and screaming in your face and going absolutely crazy at you the whole time, this record would not, it wouldn't, it's not that it wouldn't be very good, but it would run out of steam very quickly. Cruelty don't do that. Um, they have some very interesting uh, sort of diversions that they go into so i don't know on uh the beginning of mine there's a more kind of industrial-esque noisy bit which reminds me of full of hell there's stuff like the two minute instrumental um cut which starts with clean picket picking and ratchets up the tension quite gradually there's a heaviness to it without it screaming in your face they do scream in your face quite a lot but um but there is you know that there's there's light and shade I don't think there's light and shade. There's, diff- no, there's, there's diff- there's different there's different shades of really shade. Dark. Yeah, there's yeah. different shades of shade to this record. Mm. And as a result, um, it does keep my intention for its entire 42 minute running time. The title track, which is the last song, There Is No God Where I Am. Oh my God. Like the way that that starts is almost beautiful. Almost beautiful. And then... And then well, go on. I, I was going to say the title track... A lot of bands have tried to do Jane Doe by Converge mm. over the years, haven't mm. they? Mm. And that is not an easy thing to do. Are you referring and to they, the song or the album? Probably both. Okay. I think. Um, but on this particular, yeah, on I mean, the song particularly on uh, in this instance. And they get tantalizingly close mm. to, to, you know, to, to kind of reappraising not reappraising but like recreating that kind of feeling i agree and that is an incredibly difficult thing to do that's that, um, that's a hell like coming from us that is a hell of a yeah. compliment yeah i mean yeah. jane doe is one of my favorite songs of all time so yeah, yeah. and they they stomp and they throw i mean for me personally I, I mean my favorite i the more creepy stuff i think is great but i do prefer when it's them going berserk but i think the fact that there is, like you say, those two different. There are those different gears. Mm. Means that when they go berserk, like Dead Culture, when the bass drop comes in, I was just like, oh, mm. oh, mm. you beauty! Mm. And like to the ground has one of the best metal stomps of the year. Mm. 
Crimson Eye, when it finally lets go, is great. I mean, when they do go mental, because they've they've given themselves a little bit of a kind of... It's the same thing. It's the tension. Ratchet, racketing mm. up the tension a little bit is a really, really clever thing to do for mm. a band like this. Mm. Mm. And I don't think... I think people get... People do get too bad. Oh, no, no, no. I want It's got to be heavy. Oh, we want the heavier shit all the time. But the thing is, is that most of this sounds... The heavy, the really heavy stuff on this sounds heavier because it's not a continual like barrage of heaviness yeah, all yeah. the way through. And it's different sort of types of heaviness. And it's not like this is poppy or melodic. or Not, not in the slightest, no. no. It's just, you know, there are, there are gears. There are gears to how how high up they crank this shit and yeah. yeah this is a fucking good album it's it and it is as savage as it sounds you know this is a band called cruelty um they have song titles like if there is a god he does not believe in me it's as cruel and savage as it sounds like it's going to be but yeah as you say they have they have gears and they they do have enough um they have enough different areas that they go into to keep your interest throughout and like i loaded this up and i started it and you know after an introduction a lie that makes life bearable came in and i will be honest the first time i listened to it i was like god is this going to be 42 minutes of this because i like this but it's going to be a bit of a slog if it is and and it isn't at all it absolutely justifies its running time um it's actually quite beautifully sequenced and quite um uh it's it's very it's very good at keeping your attention and throwing things in at the right time in order to keep your attention um it reminds me somewhat of the pupil slicer record um Mm. i personally don't like it quite as much as the pupil slicer record but by golly it's close um and that is saying quite a lot because the pupil slicer record is one of my favorite albums of the year yeah i I was gonna say i think the pupil slicer album is i mean I think that's quite special. The yes. People Slicer album. I, agree. I think that's a bit, I, I think there'll be, I think just, just being mentioned in the same conversation as the People Slicer album is probably a good sign. For Absolutely. They get mentioned in it. But I think the idea that you would top it, I think is almost slightly unrealistic. No, 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 I agree. But goodness me, I mean, two debut albums this year from bands like that doing this kind of thing, that, that like, that is, pretty fucking exciting time to be a fan of this kind of music in the uk right now you know it is. um and, and 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 i feel like we've been saying this for a long time though do you know what i mean i feel like we've yeah. been, i feel like we we say this quite a lot yeah 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 but then you know like we do we do get to see like those oh, well when when we'll shows well, we did get to see those shows but we were you know we're, we're so tantalizingly close to getting to see those shows again and like seeing a tour i don't know with pupil slicer and cruelty or something like that would be absolutely phenomenal you know um or i know they've you know they've toured with employed to serve as i said before like that would yeah. be an incredible night i think got um the uh got the urn album coming out in a couple of months as well absolutely yes 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 <laughs> like, you know uh the hits keep on coming <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is like yeah it's a brilliant it's a a, you know this feels like a pretty damn good year for metal uh in the uk certainly you know Mm. um there's some really really good shit that's come out and there's some really good shit that is about to come out as well um it's the most excited i've been about the scene particularly in this country for quite a while 
since 1994. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this is just another great record from from a band of this type. Um, yeah, and, and like you said, even just mentioning it in the same breath as Pupil Slicer is always going to be a compliment. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, good shit. Really good shit. There is no God where I am by cruelty is out now. And that's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks very much for listening. Um, next week, we're doing a catch up. Mm. We asked you on our socials. Go and follow us on something on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, TikTok. Get, on to, get us on TikTok. Get us on Bebo um, and MSN Messenger. Yes. Uh, and all the things. We're yeah, on all those things. Yeah, yeah, we're very good at self-promotion. And, <laughs> um, uh, and you can suggest an album for us to listen to. I think we pretty much picked what we're going to do next week. We're going to try oh, and catch yes. up on some of the stuff that we've missed from this year. And it has been a fair bit. Mm. Um, anyway thank you very much for listening. as I said patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you'd like to help contribute to the show you'll get in a week's time uh, us talking about the Mars Volta if you sign up for the £5 tier we'll give you a couple of Riot Ears reviews while you wait as well if you sign up for any amount and you can suggest an album on Riot Ears review uh, as well so please go over and do that if you feel like that's something that would be of interest to you also Naomi Campbell on Broken Records on Monday ho <laughs> it's gonna be a hell of a time see you later everyone <laughs>